This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, and it's wonderful to be with you here on High FM to talk about the incredible parsha of the week, the portion that will be read in shul tomorrow, the portion that the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, well, he spoke about all of the Torah, saying we, ne- we must live with the times, that the portion, the weekly portion of the Bible, of the Torah that we read at shul, has a timely lesson for us. It's got so much to teach us for right now. So we're in the month of Kislev, the month in which we have Hanukkah, but the entire month is called Chodesh Ha'urim, the month of lights. We need light in our lives. The Parsha is going to take the patriarch Jacob into a place of darkness. And the Parsha and his encounters, his journey, are going to teach us how do we deal with darkness. How do we maintain the light? How do we stay in touch with, connected to the light, even in places of darkness and difficulty? The days are getting longer. Here in South Africa, it's summer. And we will be lighting candles at 623. It's getting longer. Shabbos won't end tomorrow until, well, one calendar said 716, the other one said 720. But it's going to be Shabbos, an island, an oasis of light from which we will draw strength for the entire week ahead. And we have a Parsha, which is a continuation of last week's reading. And last week where Jacob got the blessings from his father, Isaac, from his father, Yitzchak. Afterwards, his parents tell him to go. Go and get married. His father tells him. His mother tells him. Leave. Go and start a family. And Jacob, Yaakov, leaves Be'er Sheva, leaves the Holy Land, and he goes toward a place called Haran. And on the way, it says, And he encountered the place, and there he slept. But it also says, it adds, And he lay down in that place. And our sages tell us, our sages ask the question, if he went and he slept, why does it also have to say, and he lay down? And there he slept. And then it adds, and he lay down in that place. And our sages tell us something very interesting. That the addition of the words, Vayishkav b'makayim hahu, they say only in that place did he lie down. But in other places, at other times, he did not go to sleep, as it were. Of course, the well-known teaching is that for the 12, sorry, the 14 years after he left his father's home, he actually went to the yeshiva. He was in the base medrash 
of Aver, the grandson of Noach. He hid there from his brother Esav, but he occupied himself with the study of Torah, and he didn't sleep. Day and night he was studying the Torah. And so, by saying, Vayishkav b'makoim ha'hu, indicates that, well, he finally slept. In that place he slept, but he didn't sleep the previous 14 years when he was hiding, as it were, immersed, enveloped in that wonderful atmosphere of the yeshiva of Aver. In addition to that, there are now going to be another 20 years where he's not going to sleep, where he's actually going to keep his eyes open. And that's what we want to explore. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayetze. Vayetze means, and he went out. Because the patriarch Jacob leaves the land of Canaan, of Israel. He leaves his father's home. He leaves everything familiar. And he's going to a place which is extremely, extremely challenging. From his father's house, he's going to go into the house of his future father-in-law, Lavan the Cheat. From the holy atmosphere of the holy land, he's going into Aram, a place of evil, trickery, negativity. And why is he going? He's going for the purpose of raising a family. Raising a family? In a place like that? Well, he's going to spend 20 years in the home of Lavan. And he says to Lavan, ultimately, for 20 years that I am with you, I did not lie down to sleep. Sleep was removed from my eyes. And the question is, what was he saying that for 20 years he didn't sleep? Or he couldn't sleep? Did he have to look after the sheep by day and by night? And the Medrash helps us here. Rabbi Yoshua, the son of Levi, says, the Medrash asks first, and what was Yaakov saying? Not what was he doing, but what was he saying? What do you mean, what was he saying? We want to know what he was doing for those 20 years, not sleeping. And the Medrash says, And what was he saying? And Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi answers, He was saying, The 15 shir hamalot that are in the book of Psalms, the book of Tehillim. And then he quotes one of the shir hamalot. One of these Psalms says, Shir hamalois ledovid, lulei Hashem shehoyolonu yoimar no Yisrael. If Hashem had not been with us, says Israel. And of course, Israel is Jacob. That's the name of Yaakov. But Yisrael refers to the patriarch Jacob, and it also refers to Jewish dignity and pride. The patriarch Jacob was saying the Shir Hamalois. He was praying to Hashem. He was saying the Tehillim. But the question is, what was he doing? 
We know he was guarding the sheep. If so, why did he have to say these prayers, this Shir Hamalai song of essence? Actually, what's so special in the Shir Hamalais that those are the things he said specifically in the house of his future father-in-law and then his father-in-law, Lavan? Why is it that in those prayers he was able to do what he needed to do? And why did he say those prayers instead of sleeping, as it were, or in addition to not sleeping? So let's look at it. Here's Jacob. Jacob, Ishtom, this beautiful soul. And he leaves his father's home, and off he goes to Lavan's home. But it's in a place called Choron, the place of extreme upset to Hashem. It's a place outside of holiness, of spirituality, and why does he go there? He goes there to establish a family. He goes there to actually establish the nation. He's going to marry. He's going to have children. And from these children, the 12 tribes, will emerge all of us, the entire nation. But he goes there. He goes to a place that is foreign to him far into holiness, a place that ignores the Creator. It doesn't recognize in its daily life, in its business, in its family life, that God created the world. It's a place that opposes spirituality, and it certainly opposes holiness. And why does he go there? Because Jacob, our patriarch, as Isaac and Abraham before him went where they went and did what they did to transform the place they were in into a place where God can feel comfortable, a place where a Jew can live with pride as a Jew, connected to who he is and true to his mission. So he was going into this place called Choron, which represents the upset of God in this world, the epitome of anti-godliness, of anti-humanity, of anti-refinement and holiness. And he's going to transform it into a place where it says a Jew can live. What is a Jew? A Jew is one who recognizes and praises the Lord the Creator, with every breath that he takes. Wherever he looks, whatever he does, he sees the hand of God. And Yaakov, our patriarch, is going to transform that place, that blind, deaf, and angry place, into a place of sensitivity and light, a place where it's possible to raise Jewish children who are proudly Jewish, who are aware, and who are passionately connected to their mission in life. They know who they are, where they come from, and where they're going to. And not only don't they get influenced by the superficial environments 
moors and mores, but they actually influence their environment. And therefore, because the responsibility is so huge and it's so vitally important that he succeed in guiding his children to be the ones who will carry on the message, Yaakov cannot sleep. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Agot Nerev Shabbos, I'm Mashi Lipsker. Delighted to be with you here on High FM to share some thoughts and insights from our patriarchs, from the Torah, on successful parenting. Jacob, Yaakov, is sent by his parents, his mother and his father, to go and get married, to raise a family. And where? In a place of absolute decadence, a place of robbery, cheating, a place where he would live with his father-in-law for 20 years. And his father-in-law, whose name was Lavan, Lavan means white, was the epitome of a cheater. He wanted everyone to think he was the nicest guy, like Mr. White on the outside. He wanted everyone to trust him, as it were. He goes into this hornet's nest, this lion's den, and there he's going to raise a pure family, children who are connected to God, connected to decency, connected to holiness, sensitivity, spirituality, and passionate about their life's mission, not be influenced by their environment, but quite to the contrary, to be so proud and staunch that they would actually influence that environment. And because the responsibility is so huge, Jacob, our patriarch, does not sleep. He doesn't lie down. He doesn't switch off. For 20 years in the home of Lavan, he's vigilant. He remains aware. And at the end, we find that when he finally does take leave, Lavan argues with him. He says, but the sons are mine and the daughters are mine and the sheep, they belong to me. It's exactly as it is in our times. The lovens of our generation, they argue with the Jacobs of the generation. They say, you want to study the Torah? You, you're, you're grown up. You're an older man. You've made your choices. Be my guest. Study the Torah by day, by night. If that's what you want to do, go right ahead. Old man, old religion, do your thing. You want to be spiritual? I respect your right to be spiritual. But the sons are mine. The daughters are mine. They belong to me, to the modern world. They need to fit in. They need to dress the part, learn the part, be educated in that way. They need to work that way, marry that way. That will spell success for them. They're mine. They belong to me. They belong to Charon. They belong to Lavan. 
And more than that, the sheep's mine. When it comes to business, what can you, Jacob, teach your children about business? You're from the shtetl. You're from the yeshiva. When it comes to business, worldly matters, lifestyle, they had best learn from me. V'hatsoyin tsoyini. The sheep are mine. Come, I'll teach you how to do business. Come do business like Lavan, the cheat. You know, I'll show you how to earn a little bit more money. Turn a blind eye to Torah's law, to what Torah says is forbidden. You'll work on Shabbos, and you'll crook the books, and you'll move the boundaries. Be a cheat. Be a ramai. Don't worry about the guy next door. Do everything you can to succeed. Don't care who you step on. Don't care who you're not fair to. If you have to steal a little bit in the business, the main thing is you should earn a lot of money. Because you know, says Lavan, if you do business according to the Torah, you will never succeed. You'll be a failure. And Jacob says, I am going to raise a healthy Jewish family, healthy and balanced between this world and the world above. They will be happy. They will be focused. The sons and the daughters are mine. Jacob, the patriarch Yaakov, did not sleep. With total self-sacrifice, he was awake. It didn't matter that it was exhausting to him. It didn't matter that this was a relentless struggle. He was vigilant in order that Lavan would not take or hijack his business values, and even more so his sons and his daughters. Therefore, vatidaj nasi me'enoi, he's ever, ever watchful. He says to him, I am in your house for 20 years. I worked 14 for your daughters and six for your sheep. What does it mean he worked for her, for Lavan's daughters? He said, I worked to make them mine. I worked with my wives. I spent time with them. I taught them. I knew that they exert a primary influence on my children. The woman makes the home. He says, I worked for your daughters. I worked to bring them over to my way of feeling and thinking and it was work. It didn't just happen. It wasn't just a word. I didn't just order them around. I worked. I sweated. I toiled. I labored. I worked with your daughters, for your daughters. I worked for my children, your daughters, your sheep, so that everything would be according to the Torah, the guidance of the Creator, the guidance of the Father of everything in this world and everyone in this world. The Creator of my children has expectations and has allowed me to be the guardian of His children whom He created for a purpose. 
He created the world for a purpose. And Jacob, our patriarch, taught us for everything that happened to them, to our matriarchs and patriarchs, is a huge lesson and empowerment for us. We need to work hard. And he worked to transform the physical world. He worked to create family life. He worked to make sure that his business life was the way it had to be. It had to be our way of thinking, not the Haran way of thinking. The Haran way of thinking is self-centered and anti-God. It is a self-centered, greedy, self-centered, nothing matters except that I become rich, succeed, become powerful. I need to fill myself. And Jacob said, no. I'm going to turn Choron into a spiritual and holy place. We need to take a page from his book. In our families, in our relationships, in our businesses, in order to establish the Jewish nation, to continue the Jewish nation that Jacob established. The roadmap is clear. The roadmap is absolutely directing us in the direction that we need to go. It may not be easy. It's toil. It's difficult. But it is so rewarding. And there's no question that not only at the beginning and in the middle, but at the end, it will hold us, it will guide us, it will bring us happiness. Very often at the beginning, one has one's doubts. But look at the world. It's so inviting. It's so big. It has so many opportunities. And very often we get lost. We put our toes just a little bit off course. And we reach, God forbid, not our goal, not our destination, but we get totally lost, entangled. And then it's too late. Well, in truth, it's never too late. But there's a wonderful parable that the Rebbe once told. And he spoke about the tallest midget. The tallest midget, if he goes on his own steam with his own direction guiding him, if he puts his toes just a fraction of a millimeter off course and keeps going, ultimately, those fractions of millimeter will add up and he will be totally, totally off course, lost, and unfortunately not reach his goal. But the shortest midget, if he sits on the shoulders of a giant, can see much further than even the giant, as it were. Well, if not much further than the giant, as far, perhaps, as a giant. And who is the giant? We are the midgets. Our generation makes us so challenged over and over again. So many things are confusing. We put our toes just that fraction of a millimeter off course. We say it doesn't really matter. I'm still doing Pesach and I'm still doing Rosh Hashanah. And I still get to shul on a Friday night. And I'm still, and I'm still, and I'm still. And how come I'm not so happy? How come I'm landing up 
in sticky situations. How come I'm not succeeding the way I thought I would? And the Rebbe points out that even the shortest midget, when he sits on the shoulders of a giant, can see what he needs to see and get where he needs to go. Who's the giant? The Torah is the giant. The Shulchan Aruch is the giant. When we don't go on our own planned journey, but we go guided by these eternal, infinite values and teachings, we absolutely not only reach, but we surpass any of our wonderful destinations that we, we might have wanted to get to in our families, in our relationships, in our businesses. We want to continue this golden chain of which we are a vital link. You know, Jacobs didn't have to stay away at night only to take care of the sheep to make sure none of them would stray, to be a faithful, faithful worker. He stayed awake because there's a spiritual meaning in staying awake. That Medrash asks, Ma haya oimer, what was Jacob saying? And the question is, where did he get the strength to keep going all those years, to keep focused and to toil and not to sleep, as it were, all those years? So the Medrash asks, what did he say? The strength to be vigilant, to stand guard, not to be affected by the environment and by love on, but more so to actually affect and influence that environment, to transform it into a place that was different, a place that became sensitive, a place which was a home for God, a place where his sons and his daughters and his sheep would be proper, would be as they should be, acquired as they should be, led as they should be led. So the Medrash says, he was saying the song of ascents, Shir Hamalos Shebesefer Tehillim. He was saying, I lift my eyes unto the mountains, from whence will my help come? He felt, he understood, that with his limited abilities, as great as they were, with his own kohot, with his own strength, he would never be able to overcome Lavan. The environment was too influential and too strong. Jacob's goal was to raise the fathers of the nation, the 12 tribes. And he knew that he needed powerful spiritual assistance. May I in your from whence will my help come? And Hasidic teaching tells us that Ayin indicates a lofty, lofty source of blessing where we are totally humble. We have no sense of it's me that's going to do it. He humbled himself before Hashem. From you, Hashem, he knew he had to lean on Hashem, no matter how talented, no matter how verbal, no matter how loving, no matter how caring, no matter how wealthy, no matter how capable. He needs iron, 
me'ayin, much further than all of those abilities, much higher. He had to lean on Hashem, rely, depend, trust that Hashem is Ezri, my help comes from God. I lift my eyes unto the mountains, from whence will my help come? Help, Ezri me'im Hashem. And then the psalm continues. Who is God? He is Ose Shamayim Va'aretz. He's the one, the creator, the one who forms and makes, not made, but consistently, consistently creates and makes Shamayim heaven, Va'aretz, and earth. That's the one who gives us the power. He gives us the power even to study the Holy Torah. He gives us the power to educate our sons and our daughters in this incredible, beautiful gift of the way of Torah, the guidance of Torah. Oseh Shamayim. He is the one who gives us the power to study heavenly things. He makes the spiritual. He makes the heavenly. He makes the right way which is clear because it's from Torah. He's Osei Shemaim. But he also is the maker of earth. He's the one from whom we can get the strength to withstand all those influences and pressures around us and within us, the pressures of business, of daily life, Eretz, physical things, earthly things. And of course, everything that happened to the patriarch Jacob, the patriarch Isaac, the patriarch Abraham. They are lessons for us. We need to live with these lessons. They're actually empowerments for us because they kind of broke the ground. They trod the path. They've made it possible for us. Ma'asei avot siman lebanim. What did Jacob have to do? Jacob had to, number one, go out of the Holy Land, leave the home of Isaac, leave an environment of holiness. And where did he go? Not only did he leave that extreme holiness, but he went into a place of extreme challenge where Lavan lives. All the Lavans live there. And what was the goal? to actually get busy with the physical world and transform it into a place of godliness. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayetze, in the month of light, the month of Kislev. And we're talking parenting. We're talking about our parent, Jacob, and how he met the challenge of raising a completely refined, holy family in the absolute dregs of the world, in a place of tremendous, tremendous opposition to holiness, a place of unbelievable influence. And yet he emerged from there with his entire family, not only loyal to his way of thinking, 
but they would become the twelve tribes of Israel, from whom we all come directly. What happened here? Jacob left the holiness of the Holy Land, that environment that keeps you strong. He left the home of his father Isaac, Yitzchok, the home that kept him strong. He left that entire place of holiness. He left and he went into the extreme opposite, a place of trickery. He went where Lavan lives. He went where the cheats, the liars, the greedy people live. And what does he do there? He actually occupies himself with marriage, with acquiring wealth, with sheep, in order to reveal and transform each thing into a place of holiness. He was going to raise a family, use the world, not hide, but use everything to serve God, to do Torah and mitzvahs, to study the Torah and live the Torah, to be a living example of God's wisdom that he gave us in order to negotiate the life that he created, we the people he created and constantly creates. That's the handbook. That's the how to make it through not only alive, but joyful and successful. And also, not just to stay within his family, but to reach out to all the, as it were, Jews, all the people in Choron, to transform them, that they too become part of the 12 tribes, to reveal in them that they are the children of God himself. And in truth... We have that same mission. And this past weekend, last weekend, thousands of emissaries of the Rebbe convened in New York for something called the Kenes HaShluchim. Kenes HaShluchim is the convention, the conference of emissaries of the Rebbe from around the world. People who have gone to almost a 100 countries. There's no place in the world where there are Jews that there isn't some sort of Chabad presence. And they go with their families or just their wives, and there they raise a family. They go determined to bring holiness and light, education and upliftment to Jews everywhere. And in truth, the lesson is in the Parsha. It's always read at this time of the year. Vayetze, and he went out to leave your father's home, to leave the yeshiva, to make every corner of the world a dwelling place for Hashem. But there are challenges. There are real challenges. We all know that to be married isn't easy, to raise children isn't easy, to go to work every day isn't easy, to negotiate this world and it's a scary world. Where does one get the strength? Where did Yaakov, where did our patriarch Yisrael Saba, the holy patriarch Jacob, where did he get his strength? 
He got his strength by not relying on his own power. And we must do the same. We go into the world with the power of the one who created heaven and earth, the creator, the sender, the mission maker, who sends us to make this world into a place of refinement, sensitivity, kedusha, a place where he will feel comfortable to openly live, to totally live amongst us. And to do this mission and to accomplish, accomplish this mission, we have to be connected above. We have to pray and we have to be focused. It's not about us. It's about what the Creator wants. And the Creator has written for us in His Holy Torah the directions. Of course, it's not always that easy to decipher, but then we have people with wisdom who have studied and who have studied at the feet of people, who have studied at the feet of people. They are the giants for us, and we need to sit on their shoulders. And there are many stories of the challenges that people faced, and we could write our own book. And we need to look at the wisdom that was given to those people in order to maintain our optimism and our focus. And the promise is there, as it says in the parsha, The man became exceedingly, exceedingly wealthy. There will be success. It says, And he possessed a multitude of sheep. He had shvochais va'avodim. He had maid servants and servants. Ugmalim va'chamoyrim. He had donkeys. He had, he had camels. He had donkeys. What does this mean? That means that every level in creation came over to his side. But that didn't happen in a minute. Twenty years, with fourteen years of preparation before that, and years of preparation before that. But once he left his father's home, he went into his mission totally. It's a lovely story, and I know you love stories. And this story really says it for me in another way. It was reported to the Rebbe that a member of a certain community was a constant source of conflict. So the Rebbe called in one of the lay leaders of the community to give him some advice. He said to him, I suggest you give this troublemaker, he didn't say that, this individual, a communal position. For example, appoint him to be the gabai, the warden of the shul. Keep him busy. And then the Rebbe continued. He said, you know, in Petersburg, in Leningrad, my father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, once called me into his office and he told me that a certain person, Mr. So-and-so, a person known for his contentious personality, was coming to town. And he was likely to stir up trouble. And my father-in-law said, the Rebbe told me, please see to it that he is kept busy so that he stays out of trouble. And then said the Rebbe to this man in Petersburg, 
My father-in-law told me there's a big monument of Tsar Alexander in front of the train station. The, the Tsar was a tall, strapping man, and this huge sculpture depicts him as riding on this large stallion. In front of this imposing monument, a soldier always stood guard. And then the Rebbe said, a person coming out of the train station once asked a bystander, tell me, why do they need a soldier to guard the monument? Who could possibly steal such a huge, enormous statue? So the fellow responded, look, as long as a soldier stands here, at least the soldier himself is not stealing. And that's what we need to understand. We need to be clever in the way that we tackle the world. The world is always stirring up trouble. The world is a love on, always looking to trap us, to trick us, always looking to divert us, to give us confusion, to question what we're doing. And we need to use cleverness, not always to tackle evil head on. But, you know, as long as a soldier stands guard, at least the soldier isn't stealing. And so it is that Jacob had to use trickery, as it were, which was totally not his personality. And because he got the blessings in that way, he was able to give us the power to use our minds and all of our talents to be able to bring holiness to the world. Not, God forbid, to cheat people. Not, God forbid, to use it in the wrong way. But sometimes people do. And we need to use our cleverness to try and get them back onto the path. And, of course, it brings to mind that vort from the Kotzke Rebbe, Reb Mendel of Kotz, and he said, I don't ask of my chassidim not to sin. I ask of them not to have time to sin. We need to understand in raising our children. We need to teach them that the most valuable thing there is, is time. And that we have a mission. And it's a burning issue. They need to see it in our passionate living. Living for a higher purpose. Because children learn by example. They need to see us not getting into trouble, not gossiping, God forbid, not doing the wrong thing because we have no time to sin. We are busy doing the right things. We're busy reaching out to other people. We're busy seeing what is the need of the other. And as in the story of someone's coming to town, who's a troublemaker, as it were, let's not, God forbid, talk about them. Ignore them. If they come into your space, there must be something that you can do. Keep them busy. But at the same time, when you give someone a position of importance in the community, as it were, of course, with specifications, you're actually taking away some of their need to be important in a negative way. And so it is with children. Children don't grow up overnight, but Jacob the patriarch worked with Lavan's daughters. 
He worked with the sheep. And each one of us has a spiritual side. We have a spiritual side of being influenced by the Jacobs. Let's be the daughters of Jacob. Let's be the sons and the daughters of Jacob. Jacob worked with the daughters of Lavan and made them into his wives. Everything takes work. But the more we work at something, especially guided by Torah and protected by mitzvahs, the more we know that Hashem will help us succeed. We need to pray. We need to connect. We need to reach out. We need humility. When we think we can do this, oh, pride comes before a fall, says King Solomon. But when we remember to be humble, aware of the presence and direction of the Creator, things change. We are then connected. And on that connection comes the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful blessings. So here we are, approaching the Shabbos of Vayetze, and he went out. Part of going out is also going out of our own selfishness, our own comfort zone, our own limited ideas of how we're going to achieve the things that are good. But let's not limit the good we want to achieve by thinking, I know how to do this. Let's constantly be taking counsel, learning that humility and that connection to the ayin, to the beyond. Psalm 121 will certainly uplift us as well and certainly help us to attain our goal. May it be a good Shabbos. May it be a Shabbos where we succeed in emulating our patriarch Jacob.